podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I would much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. This is a Good Brothers episode of the Ash Your Old Head podcast with Justice Rod G. Please enjoy. Peace. Peace. I'm a Jesse. My brother Justice Raji. And it's a it's a glorious day in the in the in the wet, windy, late. So do y'all so that's a good so you know, I mean I've been there, but this is a question like being somebody that saw snow for a lot of your life, how did you feel when like it's just like, oh, it's not gonna snow, but it's not gonna be nice. It just is what it is. Like, you know, in some ways, obviously, it's a normal it's a normal weather pattern for people who have lived there. But I guess in America that you have all these extremes, especially if you're in the Northeast or the, the Midwest, you're used to these like ver- really stark uh, weather patterns. Yeah. The, the thing I would say that becomes interesting about it is you you start to actually realize how often even on a rainy okay. day that it actually stops raining in between the rain. So if it's like 43, 44 and wet, and then it's like, oh, it slowed down. All right, let me go over on my errands. You know what I'm saying? Like let me, put, let me put on my, you know, like you you realize how much the the um coat or jacket that is uh not so much uh, water permeable, but you know, not enough to keep you dry is more comfortable than okay. maybe the super overly the super warm coat. Right, you know right, I mean? right, right. It's right, so cold right. out where you're like, oh, I gotta, I gotta bundle up. I gotta, you know what I mean? You're like, I actually don't, I don't really gotta bundle up. I just need to stay dry. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Then, you know, depending on how you're traveling, like, you know what I'm saying? If you're driving or you're in transit, you know what I'm saying? Where you might, you know, need some different considerations. But generally, for me, especially, it's sort of like, but no, it ain't gonna be. It's not gonna snow. It's not gonna be that cold. And once I start moving around, I warm up. So this coat right here, this jacket, this will be fine. I'm gonna go run my errands. It could be worse, you know what I'm saying? And then you know, you just go on. And then, like, you know, even if it if it's hard for me, and there are days where it, it it's just a steady all day sort of drizzle, like a like a misty drizzle. But it you just you know start it becomes background noise. You know what I'm saying? It's like a when uh you know if you got a oh no that never really gets yeah. over when people got the uh, <laughs> smoke alarm bleeping then they. <laughs> I'll be on Zoom call like, if you don't fix that damn man, <laughs> like, where you live at? Yeah, when you I talk to somebody, they be like, hook that up for you, man. That thing, you gotta stop that. <laughs> like, you know they don't change a thing. They, <laughs> they just don't it. move or nothing. Just like, <laughs> gotta say, not to bring up Kevin Sanders, but that was actually one of the funniest Kevin Sanders I've ever seen. Because the sisters in this house and this damn alarm is beeping the whole conversation. And then he keeps going like, see, this is the problem with you. The damn thing is in there beeping. And you ain't got nobody to fix it. And I was on the door like, I mean, I don't know if he's right, but he kind of right on this one. 
<laughs> that thing is beeping, and you, you just ain't gonna do nothing about it. You just gonna let that. You just gonna let that beep. You know what I'm saying? Like some point, somebody. I'm gonna tell you like this. I guess in in, in, in refutation of Kevin's of the concept of least that he was making. My mother, we somebody would fix the damn beat if if that meant we just took the thing off right. the wall. Right, it's gonna get fixed. Yeah, we not gonna get. We got. We, we not gonna normalize the damn beat. Beep. beep. <laughs> so. Saying that to say, when when you get in with the weather, you just you know what I'm saying you 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 do real like I said. The, the one of the things I learned quickly is that although if you're gonna go, you know, and definitely other parts of the state, you know, eastern part of the state is much colder. Um, if you're gonna go through the mountains and stuff, you do need you know some warm like a warm coat, but you don't need it every day. Like for most of if you just in the if you in the valley, you in the Portland metro area down to Eugene, uh, Roseburgish, you don't really you know you can. You, you something to keep you dry, enough layers, and then like, what are you doing? Are you gonna be walking around? You gonna be sitting still? You doing some some kind of yard work or something? You gonna be like fixing a fence? You know what I mean? You, you know, the, 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 you can adjust. You just take a little walk, little, little nature hike, maybe going on a jog. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to the, there was some kind of running thing over at a run shop. They they do these regular like run joints. I don't know which one that was, but it was a whole bunch of people running. Shout out to them. You know what I'm saying? I seen them out in the rain. It was raining. Shout out to them. That's real. Getting miles in. Running running in the rain again, like we were talking building about earlier. Running in the rain is like running in cold weather. Your brain is like, you don't really have to do this. (laughs) Like, like you don't need to do this. You can get it in tomorrow. Like your your will is going to have to be stronger than your brain when it comes to any running in any conditions other than like, peak running conditions, which differs for certain people what they consider peak running conditions. Some people, it's when this feels like 60 or 70 degrees, or for some people, it's maybe like 50, right? 40 or 50 when they can run with something on and be comfortable. But for sure, I tell you this, rain and snow, they are not comfortable running conditions. So shout out to them. Indeed, indeed. So Today, um, we we decided and landed on that we were going to share three unpopular takes, or at least potentially unpopular. Who knows? Maybe people listen, they'll be like, oh, man, I totally agree with you or whatever. But um, so, you know, we, we you know, we won't make much fanfare yeah, about it. We I'll, can just I'll, get I'll in. I'll leave you, one. You want to lead uh, off? You want me to this, lead off? How you this want? is my kind of probably. Okay. The one that could be perceived as most like, oh, wait, wait did you say that? But. I don't know if it's that bad. Um, Andre 3000 is way overrated. (laughs) I just want to say that because, and here's my thing. It's an interesting idea of music where we take genius, right? And we remember the genius at the time it hit us. And then we kind of, our memories frame that genius for the rest of the time. Right. It is without a doubt that he is a special artist and one of the most influential artists in hip hop and actually had a run, one of the best runs in hip hop. But I want to say this, his run, their run in hip hop of him coming out with consistently good. Like content. Was what, four or five years? Mm -hmm, Mm hmm. 96, I mean, so uh, what's the name is in 94, right? Uh, Southern Paralistic, obviously AT Aliens, Equimini. And then what, like, 
I mean, that singing album was okay. The Love Below, I mean, it was okay. And then he comes out with a verse every three or four years, and we continue to talk about this man's genius. And I just, I mean, again, it might be unpopular. I know a lot of very cultural people will be like, what do you mean, hundred thousand? Come on, man, the South got something to say. But I don't, listen, he has said, he has said and done some amazing <laughs> stuff. And I actually, I'm I'm probably one of the few people that think some of his acting was actually okay. <laughs> I thought him and Revolver was actually him and the guy Richie movie, Revolver, if anyone hasn't seen it, as weird as it was, was actually was actually good. Mm-hmm. And I think his adoption of kind of what we will call classic menswear um, that predated the broader American adoption of menswear was spot on, right? But with musical stuff, he comes out with a verse a year. He plays a flute going through cities and airports. And I just think we still hold him in regard in a way that I think other artists who may have not had as many highs have been way consistent for way longer. You know what I mean? Like we had a point where Redman probably had eight or nine years where he did an album damn near every year, never had a bad verse ever. Right? Yeah. I, how do I judge thousands output versus Redman's? You know what I mean? I'm just using Redman for for an example. Um, and I do know yeah. again yeah. that very another rapper who falls in this, I don't think they're overrated, but I know they fall in this category of having a short spurt. Um, frankly, it's Rock Him. Right? Like Rock Him had a two or three albums of masterful stuff and then has had an uneven uh uneven delivery for the last 20 some odd years right now it would be anathema for anyone to say that but maybe for rakim but i just want to say i think and i don't think andre 3000 is i'm not saying he's bad i just think people are still keeping him in their minds about like when they embraced hip-hop or when they started like lighting incense and when they found out that erica by doing him was in a relationship so that's my <laughs> that's my number one unpopular <laughs> what you got that's me. Um, um, well, I, I I I like that take. I'm I'm just I'm, I'm yeah. I don't. We didn't talk about rules or anything in terms of response follow up. The only thing I'll say is I can see where you're coming from because it, it's a it's an interesting thing we do, especially within the confines of hip hop. In terms and actually one of the takes that I might share um, is a hip hop related, but the sort of the relative value of, of various MCs and, and who they are and this and that. And then sometimes if you if you pull back and look at, ask yourself a question, like what you're really listening to, you know, you might be like, huh, I really like these verses. But I, like, I like these songs by this person. But, you know, if if I'm comparing them to like the prolific pen, you know what I'm saying, of some others, it's kind of like, hmm. I actually haven't, you know, I haven't actually wrote no root, you know, wrote no exactly. whole new song. They haven't produced, they haven't <laughs> and, produced and, any and content outside of doing a, like Andre 2000 does two minute verses on someone else's song once a year. And then we're just like, yeah. oh shit, the genius is back. Yeah. <sighs> He's back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll, all right, so that's it. Just because it takes, you know what I'm saying? When I hear you know, you don't got to, it's good, we good money. So I'm gonna jump on the um, uh, let's see, let's see, let me look at my list. All right, uh, 
Well, I, I'm I'm gonna stay on on the on on the hip hop side of things for a moment. Um, just to, I think that I, I think the whole top five thing is actually bad for hip hop. Mm. Okay. Okay. It's bad. Right. And and part of what's bad about it is is it creates this world where the MC as a musician is now somehow separated from all the rest of the process mm. and, the, and the creativity that makes, to me, really most of the, and this could totally be a structure of how I came into the music, but still for most of my root in what I want to listen to in hip hop is formed by bands, by group, what, we, what, what in a different genre we would call a okay. band, right? You know what I'm saying so, Gangstar, EPMD, uh, even Eric B and Rakim, right? right. Like the dude who did the talking for second <laughs> on the on the right. On no, the that's thing. real. Public Enemy, um, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. I mean, I pulled Ice Cube out of NWA because I never really liked NWA. I'm just what? I'm gonna let everybody that's know. A, I was that's not unpopular. Impressed. Take one A. <laughs> yeah, I know all of y'all might think, but I never, I didn't have the visceral love of MWA. Fuck the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, I, I don't know. I, maybe I was in an extra revolutionary household or some shit, and I didn't know it. I wasn't fucking startled. <laughs> the first time I heard that, I went, "Ooh, we don't like police as black people. Get out of here." You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Again, these are just these are just the things. But got that? That's like a subtake of the take. Um, but. Like, I think it actually obscures a piece of how, like, there's something cool about the people that are making a song working together. Like, mm. you know, the best songs that a lot of times that we even made to me were songs where, where there was a collaboration in a, in a, in a, in a, in a together of the people who made the Absolutely. song, right? Even Absolutely. if it wasn't like, uh, you know, we were sitting in uh, <clears throat> over what's the in the Hosanna house. You know what I'm saying? Working on on the bang and you and born was putting together the uh the what's rap zodiac. You know yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know I'm saying like and he was talking and he was like, oh no, no, we could do this and da, 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 da. and then we listening to you, y'all lay your verses and y'all's going back and right, like there's a collaborative aspect of, of musicianship and and you know, and, and I know you know, within the art and the commodity of music. Sort of the, like everyone's in the group, and then it's like ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. You know what I'm saying? Like I need to go solo. <laughs> but but you know, there's still where like there's still all the stuff is required like to make the music, right? And and I don't know if our fascination and investment in this in this construct, at least in a very rigid fashion, I don't know if it actually helps make new new hip hop interesting and curious. You know what mm. I'm saying? It just be like it's like if you if you if you entered into the music wanting to make music, you know that did something for you know that was that filled something fulfilled something for you that you wanted to express, and then you got something back from people that enjoyed it, and then you wanted to make music so you could be like I want to be people to say I'm the best MC ever, right? It opens itself up to histrionics and theater mm-hmm. in, a, in 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 a not good way, you know what I'm saying? In a way that isn't actually in tune with like working on your skill set and, and and or being you know somehow you know connecting in deeply to what you want to say to people it, it it opens itself up to sort of like well what i gotta do to be famous and you know oh rap about this and you can be famous like that's how it goes and you know so that's my take i don't think it really helps 
And no, that, and I just think real quick. I think um, I you know, thank you for bringing that to the forefront. I think um, there's a lot there that you don't unpack, and I think you just kind of in in the way that only you can kind of put it out there and then left it for the rest of the world to unpack it, <laughs> but in a way that makes them better. Um, but yeah, like I, I do, because it, it, if you're thinking about other musics, you don't separate them from the collaborator, right? You don't separate, you know, and even in, in, and even if you do say, okay, you know, when you think about these artists and I'm, I'm going to use jazz as a context, but when you, uh, you should even reggae, like when you think about these artists that if they're really good and they can work with different people, they've made magic with multiple mm-hmm. people, right? Like they've made this compelling thing, right? Um, with people over time in a variety of ways. So, and I do think we divorce, yeah, the commodification of it has divorced from the producer, the commodification, the definitely producer divorced it from the DJ and the commodification has, has separated from kind of owing to my earlier point, like the consistency of the music you know, where we, we find the genius at one point and anoint the genius and never stop anointing the genius. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, okay. So here's my, my second one. Um, and it's basically all good advocates don't make good legislators or executives. And that's just in general. And that is specifically related to, you know, the time we're in around, I think, many of the social justice um, issues of our time and the uh, kind of the underpinning of this idea that the best advocate is going to be the best person to legislate or be an executive in regard to the outcomes of people. And <clears throat> I think there has developed an orthodoxy of that is the case. And I don't necessarily see that to be the case. Um, I think that the you know, the talent of advocacy is a very particular talent. The talent of, you know, kind of banging on the system and and, and, and giving uh, either whitey or the elite hell, depending on your vantage point, is a very particular way that you know how to do it. It takes a lot of different skills. I think those skills translated to getting a collective of people to share your interest, to vote for something, to divert resources, I think those are different skills. And I think, um, you know, one of the challenges of our time is a lot of people are getting support because of how people perceive them from either an advocacy or representation perspective, but they may or may not be able to produce the outcomes you expected either as a legislator or an executive, which in some ways becomes counterproductive because now people more dis- they dis- disassociate themselves from the process because if you did get them to vote, they then say, well, what is what has happened from that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, well, you know, it's complicated. And then for people who don't have trust in the system anyway, they're not going to keep going for the fact you're telling them it's complicated. Like there's a, something to have the best advocates at the table, to have the best you know, organizers at the table. And there's something for having the best people who will be legislators or executives to actually work within systems to produce the outcomes. And in and, and the best case scenario, they're all working together. But I just think we've developed an orthodoxy, assuming that the other kind of skills aren't needed if someone is an advocate. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll say, I'll say it. 
I'll add on just this that uh well okay yeah I'm just gonna do it all right so you know in various um spiritual books and in books of related certain religions you know what I'm saying in uh let's take the Bible or in Quran for example so it's, there, there's many prophets that come and tell the people stuff right but within the context of those books there's still like the omnipresent omnipotent being that actually makes all the shit happen right and and those are not the same jobs. <laughs> Mm. Like the person come tell you the stuff. It's like, hey man, you see that over there? That's fucked up. They don't may they may or may not necessarily be the person that's gonna mm. do the thing though. That's like, right. And, that's right. And we don't. And I think it's yeah. So I just think it's 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 an important idea to understand that, and even to be self aware that if you feel moved to make sure people know something is happening, that there's also a place that you can go. I, I it's okay for me to pass the ball somebody that can implement the reality you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like there's no deficiency there right you know what i'm saying so yeah so all right that's pizza i like that these unpopular hopefully all me and Justin, we like each other so you know sometimes you you might be like man they like, you trying to say i'm not a good leader because i don't really know how to run nothing but i be mad all the time yes <laughs> I say it that way yes <laughs> I'm about to put a gangstar right now take it personal you know what i'm saying <laughs> That's my thing, bro. I just, I just, anyway. So, next one. All right, for me, I'm going to go. So I'm trying to think of the right way to frame this. But to the degree that it is still a concept that people say, um, <laughs> we have, you know, so I, you know, I've been doing my dibbling and dabbing into the research of, of what is called the man, manosphere. You know what I'm saying? And I realized, I think, I think what I'm doing would fit within, at least within the idea of targeting something that I started in the process to, to engage in the conversation about what it means to be a man and how I experienced it and these other things. Although I think the, 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 the warm embrace of misogyny and uh, uh, yeah. other forms of, of just wild human disrespect are not a part of uh, <laughs> my own calibration of where I started this at in these conversations. But say that to say there's a the, this idea of people still fostering and saying like the destruction of the black family and and i and i and i and my my, my take is I, I don't think were our, were our families destroyed or our families trying to persist in circumstances that it's very difficult to keep your dignity values and humanity and also be you know be the person you want to be and i say that to say there's a, to me, there's a almost a cottage industry in in in, in trade in highlighting, pointing out various you know d- detriments, to harms, and whatever's happening with black people, you know, and honestly, often the passing of the blame and the pathologies, and or that we're we are the only source of our issues. But my lived experience is a lot of people who I've seen in in in, in pain and challenge. Um, young folks, older folks living in circumstances that are not necessarily always fair. Um, but the idea that people don't have no families, like don't have a family, right? Like, well, are we really talking about family or are we talking about some other thing? Because I'd be mm-hmm. seeing people, people be going, to, you know, now we've talked about that, but like people don't have family views the way they used to. I see that. But I'd be seeing people, you know, we just talk about Thanksgiving. People be over there with, auntie what's the name and like whatever it is y'all doing if y'all keep hanging out all the time y'all doing the family y'all are doing it right 
Right. Right. And and I'm I'm I I'm trying to thin I'm trying to run a razor's edge here because there's a a way that I hear it come out, especially certain men's mouths, that ends up to me sounding something about how the, who they don't want to hang out with. It ain't got nothing to really do with the way what a family is in terms of the human pack of people who are related to each other and then do shit together. You know what I mean? Or you know, share a space or cohabitate or whatever they do. And and it's a not saying that like we we as black people are in a position that still is precarious. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that our things about us are destroyed, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to try to pull those two things apart. And so you can say, yeah, man, like, yeah, the man, the, the, the brothers, man, people are struggling, they harm, they, you know, perhaps, you know, poverty, ooh, 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 you know, violence in the neighborhood. But I, I, I've even folks who didn't have much uh, or don't have much, or in, in terms of I've seen people make decisions that they were making in the name of protecting the people they cared about. And I don't think that that has been lost as much as due to the trauma we've experienced in this society, we are in a constant state of trying to reestablish what it is the way we want to be, you know, going forward. And so you get like, oh, well, why don't everybody go to Big Mama house for the thing no more? Because they felt before they couldn't go nowhere else. So they had to go. But then, they, you know, they experiment with maybe I don't. I love y'all, but I don't want to be over there all day with y'all. Like, I need I need some I need some Sundays off. You know what I'm saying? Um, these are. I just I, I, I don't I don't know who the idea serves. I don't know yeah. if it helps us. I don't know if it makes you any better at figuring out how to be family. By constantly going, they destroyed our families. Like you know, y'all, you go, you go to any meeting, and like, yeah, so our families can't even. Duh, 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 duh. And I'd be like, well, you just told me you was at your so and so's house watching the game. So you know, help I think, me understand. I, I think there's a, <laughs> I think there's a thing here where we are connecting family directly to economic outcomes and mm-hmm. the the elasticity or the the ability of the family to respond to post-industrial society or industrial society or post-industrial society. Mm-hmm. And I think we, this, there's something to be said for the presence of role models in various children's lives, mm-hmm. whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said for the resources for families to flourish, whoever has them. Right. Yeah. So I put to your point, though, I, I elevate those two, right? Yeah. I elevate those two ideas, however they function, right? Mm-hmm. However you're successful in giving children the appropriate role models for their success in the, in, in the appropriate support. And, and then also the family structure. I mean, so when I say that, just not the children, but the family structure mm-hmm. and whatever resources are applicable for folks to continue, which also to your point, you have to have the societal other things around. I think we've been used to Black people surviving in spite of society. Mm-hmm. And so then when we started having certain challenges, <laughs> we like, oh, it was the family. But yeah, it was the, the, the family unit was the last protector, the, the last protective unit, right? From a harmful place. So maybe if the family wasn't as 
resilient. I don't mean resilient. The family was resilient, but maybe as post-industrial society hits, the whole thing that what you're going to do, where someone's going to work, where someone's going to go to school, how many many sources of income you need inside the house, uh, you know, all those kind of things as they changed. If things changed, and now we're talking about the destruction of the family, when I would argue the origin story is why is the society still so uncomplimentary to the success, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so no, I, I, I get that. And I do get, I think family is family is family. However you define it. Right. If you want to talk about the fraying of the civil society of black people, I think that's a different conversation because I would argue mm. we had a fraying of our civic society. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that is to me, that's a separate thing. Right, no, I, I agree. So I'm, hey, I'm with you. I see. Yeah, Pay. I agree. Like I think there's a there's a fraying, and that's in a whole bunch of stuff, right? Um, that you've had a fraying of our society. So yes, the family and extended family as protective unit, as a protective factor, is no longer. I would I would say is no longer as effective for the entire collective. That mutual aid societies. That's the power of of religious organizations, social organization. Um, you know, the whole host of things that people used that, you know, mm. shit, you don't have the frogs and the elks and all them different organizations that at one point you had for black people, mm-hmm. not just the divine nine and not just the church, but you had a mm. whole just set of social things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, that shit's been replaced by the internet and the beehive and, you know, <laughs> the root, the root, the root and, you know, whatever it, it's been replaced. <laughs> Yeah, right, I'm not right. trying to. I'm not trying to put a value judgment on, but I'm just saying there's a fraying of our civics, civic society, that I think um, is a, is a bigger conversation. Uh, but no, just thank you. I think that's a that's a real point because I think it plays into very similar with like conservative white, not just conservative because black people can be conservative <laughs> with white conservative touch points on family because. Yeah. The society was the society has been constructed to maintain the, to maintain the nuclear system as it made sense in American society for people who identify as white, mm-hmm. and and everything from buying a house, right? Like all the things that we talk about, where the schools are located, where you pay taxes, all the things have been structured to maintain that system. So yes, that system it makes sense. Because that, that literally our economic underpinning for a long time was structured to do that. Now, we could argue there's been some changes, which I think is causing a broader change in American society, because now you're finding some uh, poor, not so poor white folks who who bought into the system, who are now getting different results from the system and are not happy with the system. Mm-hmm. And now you get a Trump, right? Like, Pat Buchanan was batshit crazy, but... According to like compare him to Trump, he seems like he's a rational human being. <laughs> Pat McGinnis like, yeah, feels like a normal person to me now. It feels like Bob Dole. Like I thought Bob Dole was the most racist motherfucker in the world. Then here comes Trump and all these other people. Now, you know, you'd be like, damn, man, remember he had Bob Dole? <laughs> Bring them Republicans back. Anyway. Right. Uh, it's the old flavor. You know yeah, they get the old flavor, man. He was kind of bad shit crazy. Um all right. This is so for my third date. It is this. 
LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Now, this is why I'm going to say this. Very similar to the conversation around art and music, um, you know, uh, that we've had in a jacket, um, Patagonia. Um, so very similar to suit rights when you could do podcasts and got to tell a child to put a jacket on. Um, <laughs> uh, very similar to this is, you know, based on the time many of us were born, based on the time that that basketball got relegated from, you know, you know how hockey is now? That's how basketball was, right? Right, <laughs> right. It's, it's like, over there. It's yeah, over there. It, it's played over there. People like the Blazers winning championships. Nobody wanted to watch it. No disrespect to Portland. But like, you know what I mean? Like Houston Rockets, <laughs> the Blazers were winning. Nobody, no one wants to watch it until you get Showtime, right? And like literally Showtime begins the process of basketball becoming something everyone wants to watch on television all the time. At the same time, you get Jordan coming to age during that time in the characters that were present during basketball and obviously winning six rings. But here's what I'm going to say. LeBron James had been better for longer and had more impact, not just off the court, on the court than Michael Jordan. Now, I don't think that's debatable, but it's an unpopular take because we like our idols. Yeah. Right. Like, say what you will. He is still when he is not hurt. He right now is a all NBA player right now. 19 years. Yeah. Like, we've never seen something like this. And so if he has four championships versus. Six. Right. Like, we're, here's what we're debating. This guy's got six championships. This guy's got four. So the six months, six is greater than four, so he must be better. But right. no one says it when Wilt or Bill Russell, right? We don't include Bill Russell in that. Yeah, we just discard. Yeah, we we, did, we, show we discard Bill Russell. We discard that it was a motherfucker who scored hundred points in a game one time. <laughs> <laughs> right, like we discard everything when it comes to Jordan. We discard all the better stats someone might have. We discard Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. Right, who again, very similar to you could argue very similar. The only person I would think that's had a career like LeBron is Kareem. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That actually fucking played with Oscar Robinson and Michael Jordan. <laughs> right. Right. There's been that's no one man. else in the middle that was good for that long. Except Mike, except Kareem and Michael and LeBron. And I just think that it's an unpopular take, but the, the records, everything except the finals bears it out that LeBron James is a better basketball player. And I think it's without a question, he's had a better basketball career. Now, would I say who was the most influential basketball player of all time? Michael Jordan, without a question. Yeah. But that is also regarding to time and, you know, yeah, kind there's of... Other, there's other factors there. You there's other factors there to that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just going to let that, I'm just going to let that lay out there because you will, you will find, you know, there's no... The, the, uh, I do not, uh, how you say, study at the temple of Michael Jordan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a member of the of the of the Jordan's my favorite society. Like I'm not. I'm not harmed or damaged by by that. I know some people somewhere it's like, nah, man, Jordan. He fight for the, the will of the you know all that stuff. So and it's, he's he's just so tough. He would just find a way. 
You know what I'm saying? All that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and this will be also my annual reminder to everyone that basketball players are the biggest, some of the biggest, most moving around as human beings that exist. And I, I still contend that our fascination with guards is that most of us that are, you know, most people average below six foot foot for sure. But those of us that are not that we think that we're that like guards are the same size as regular people. And good NBA guards are usually like Jordan 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, which is a big-ass person. So just for the record, everybody just take some time to think about that. Go stand next to an NBA player one day and go, good, 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 good. Even Steph Curry, who some of y'all are like, oh, look, he's too small. He's 6'3". He's not Very a small point, Very good point, Joss. <laughs> you know, if you see me in person, he's taller than me. <laughs> he, you know, he, 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 like you know what i'm saying i'd have to, i'd have to get my arm into, into his lower back keep him from posting up on me you know what i'm saying just you know keeping it a buck but anyway oh it's peace guy i like you know so all right take three so i think about i had a couple so I'm, I'm just gonna go with this one and i might have i might have a bonus take that i just leave like a like a you know like pouring leaving the dropping some cookies in the, in the punch bowl messing up the soup you know what i mean but everybody too damn casual and and and, and mm. everybody too casual and, and i'm gonna say it from this perspective i'm not saying i'm against um you know people wearing sweatpants outside or um you know sneakers or comfortable or nice comfortable shoe all these things there's there's a there's a well-worn it's something especially the last few years in different communities that i've been able to engage with doing you know cross-community work and, and, and connecting around change and things is the importance and the reality for humans of a ritual and ceremony. And even if you think you are, you're throwing off the yoke of the capitalist masters or you are breaking the bonds of the the Western hierarchy, some things, everything, if everything is the same all the time, I, I, we, you people, us, we start doing stuff where we make certain things different <laughs> because there, there's a place and a space for, no, nah, this is not the same as that other room. You know what I'm saying? Like this might be, this is a, this is, this may be a quiet time or right. this is where I want to, what you may wear to acknowledge that this day has a different significance or different meaning. Um, it, yes, we should engage in some sort of substantive thought and discussion around doing form for no good reason. Right. But, I've been to enough things, especially the times when I've been able to go be in person. And it's like, you know, people are wearing funny ass outfits, weird combinations of stuff, like in this effort to not be what we would maybe, you know, and they may characterize, I can't speak for them in full, but I think what folks would characterize as like a too formal dress. I, I saw the post and I've seen it multiple times and it's something that's still stuck, stick, been sticking in my craw for like a month and a half. Um, when last time I saw this, and it was a sister tweeting like, "If I, I'm so tired, black men to think, guess getting a bunch of black men in suits together is 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 activism." And 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 I understand. I knew, and then you know, of course, the things that followed were all like, "Yeah," and the respectability politics, and and guess because them brothers is together. Duh, 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 duh. But all I could think in my head was they had a hundred and so many you know people in that picture. When's the last time you got a hundred people show up? Can you get 100 people here tomorrow for something? 
for anything, for anybody, right? Like the the degree of comfort in dismissing what though whatever, you know, and there are definitely the stuff in there, you know, we can unpack about that, right? And that and but the idea that you could be so dismissive of something that was meaningful to get those those men in a picture <laughs> or to come out and walk a neighborhood or whatever they're doing. Right. Um, not saying that that, but that just as, as as an active example of something where someone is, is like putting on a suit and some other stuff. Now, some of them, you know, a little too dandy for me. You know what I'm saying? They, you know, the wild colors and patterns and you know what I mean, like, you know, it's a place for that. But the 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 general idea that whatever is just comfortable is fine for all circumstances. I'm not really with it. Like I just I'm just not. You know what I'm saying? It maybe maybe I'm holding on to a nugget of something. Maybe I'm I'm engaging in some form of class based uh, whatever the who's the who's it. But I think that there is something important to that. What's in the mind is in the body, right? And that sometimes you come and like, nah, this is you know we're going we're going to celebrate my you know this person's you know achievement. They did something in their life that they was trying to get done. I'm gonna put on something to try to signal. I'm gonna wear something. Right. That signals to them that I hold this differently than man. They had, uh, you know, they had uh, they had them socks I like on two for one today. And I went over there and caught the sale. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like the, the, it's too casual. It, it's just too, you know, and this, you know, it's it surfaced in this pandemic, sort of the unimportance of certain stuff. Right. Like, you know, we talk about the mullet, the mullet outfits. You know what I'm saying? It, it's days when. You know, if I got all the shirt and my tie, you know, in the meeting, I had to put the whole pants on and everything. You know, some days I sometimes I would keep it real. Some days I just got my got my prana my prana yoga pants on, and I'm sitting, you know, a little bit loose and drawstringy in the lower body. But I, you know, there's other days where I got to put the whole ensemble on. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that there's a meaningful place to be thoughtful about what you're doing when you're moving in the world. Right now, this doesn't mean that one is open to being penalized and, and, and treated with disrespect or losing their rights or losing their access to opportunity based on how they're dressed. But I think it's important for us, if you're thinking about, if you're trying to make a world different, there's a place for, yeah, man, like, uh, don't, 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 don't go, don't come to somebody's funeral and like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Please act like, you know, I mean, come, come as you are, right? If that's the only way you can show up today, we're going to have compassion and care for you. Uh, but be mindful that some people might be a little, they may take it the wrong. They may be upset. They may be like, yo, you couldn't, you couldn't make sure, you know, you was, you know, you fucking ironed that shirt before you came here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. I just, I think people's too casual. Everything is just, I just be who I am. And I, sometimes I need you to be, to let me demonstrate something visually, physically that it articulates to me that you saw something different happening here. Um, no, so. just, I, I think um, just to touch on this, I think the, the level of sameness and how sameness is being taken advantage of by capitalism. Because when we're saying mm -hmm. like, okay, hey, yeah, everyone just come as they are, wear your sweatpants, but you're buying $100 sweatpants. Right? Like, I want to be comfortable with $350 shoes, sneakers, which I'm not pretty sure are that comfortable. $700 hoodies. Right? $700 so, hoodies out here. 
So that's what I'm saying. So the idea, you're just trading class. All you're doing is trafficking class on a different level. Because you're going to buy a pair of $300 shoes or Yeezy. I don't, I don't knock none of it, but what's the distinction between that and a suit? There's none because you're going to be in a room with other people with sweatpants on and they're going to have on more expensive sweatpants than you. So everybody's comfortable here, but someone's still sending off class signals. So in the idea of not sending off class signals, trust me, there's still class signals being sent. Mm-hmm. And to your point, a degree of the distinction of human life. Hey, today I wore this because we were sending this message. Today I went here because we're sending this message. This was a little more formal in regards to the concern and thought of what this was supposed to represent as it becomes seen throughout time. And the fact that we're on some like, no, that's okay. That 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 is not okay. Is really the elevation of the individual of the individual over the collective, mm-hmm. because it's the elevation of this is how I want to show up. So who gives a damn how you want to show up? <laughs> who gives a damn how we should show up? Because this is how I want to show up. So in some ways, it is peak capitalism, because it is a the, the developed experience curated for every individual Hmm. and if and if that's how i want to show up then that's how i showed up and then we create a space where now we're like and if you don't like that then you're holding on to an old world whilst while at the same time black folks will be like yeah man you know you see how a lot of people used to do it Woo, clean as a whistle Woo, they showed up sunday's best Mm -hmm. uh you know the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. wearing a Canadian tuxedo, <laughs> right? <laughs> you show at least, listen, even at his, and he was in denim, he showed up in denim that was tightly pressed and showed to the world. And this is also a part of this. Showing to the entire world who you are, mm-hmm. which is different than showing other people in America who you are. Because in the world, there are still forms of formality. <laughs> Right. When you when you when you're abroad, you think about formality a little different than you do in America. Right. Because a lot of us, when we travel, we're always being we're we're, we're tourists. Right. Yeah. And so people want our money. So we show up as whatever we're doing. And we usually go to places where people are poor. Right. So we show up and we're the richest person in the place. So they accept you as you come, even if your outfit doesn't fit. All right. But if you show up in Japan and you're doing business, it's not casual. Nope. Right? Like there, there is a there is a there is a, there is a format. If you show up in China, you're not showing up to do business in China with a t-shirt on. There's a formality to it. So I just think this it's a great example of everyone framing everything by exactly only what we see on these borders to frame how we should show up globally. And I think if you're talking about how do we show up globally, which is also a big part of, are you a citizen of the world? And then how do you make the distinction between how you show up maybe in your very particular community? How do you show up as an American? Because you're in America. <laughs> and then how do you how do you show up globally? So I'm right with you. Yeah, so, so yeah. Um, well, that gets us to... Two, three each. Um, what's your what's your what's your uh what's your asterisk one? What's your three? <laughs> what's your oh, bonus? I'm, I'm, my bonus one is um 
if this idea that women are trying to trap you and and da 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 and, and lock you into for some of y'all, it would have been the best thing that ever happened to you. You should have let her trap you. you should have just felt you should have fell in the trap and stayed in there. <laughs> Cause you know, I'm just yeah, you just should have did some of y'all. That would have been the best thing that ever happened to your 20, you know, late 20, mid 20s, early 30s self if you just would have went ahead and laid in that trap and stayed there. You know what I mean? As the great Bill Withers said, if it feels this good being used, use me up. You mm. know what I'm saying? So mm, mm, mm. hold that. You know what I'm saying? Hey. That's my that's my asterisk. <laughs> so here's my asterisk real quick, <laughs> kind of on that fashion. Just because your dad's shoes are expensive doesn't mean we have to like them. I just want to say that just because Balenciaga has put out a shoe that makes you look like Jerry Seinfeld in the 90s doesn't mean that we have to be impressed. Because I don't know what's impressive about a Balenciaga shoe. I don't know what's impressive about a Gucci shoe. And that's not like I don't like Gucci. But when Gucci starts making sneakers... I don't know what's impressive there. If Nike wanted to make a dress loafer, I don't think you would wear it. Little baby swoosh, little baby swoosh on the back of the hill. Yeah, like would you wear a, a Nike loafer? So why is a Gucci sneaker that impressive? And especially a Gucci sneaker, which looks like a Payless shoe source sneaker from 1995. That says Gucci on the side. So yeah, I just, I know especially a lot of the brothers is, you know, into the big, the dad shoes right now. You know what I mean? And I ain't talking about new bows because, you know, there's a variety of new bows that have a variety of sizes. So all new bows ain't dad shoes. And I just want people to know that, uh, yeah, we don't have to like them just because they have a high price tag. You, and also as a, as a, as an aside aside, your jeans are too tight with them dad shoes anyway. So. <laughs> and I'm out of here. And so with that, I say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Uh, We try to record as often as possible. Uh, And we thank you for listening and tuning in. Good Brothers is a piece of the Asher O'Head podcast. It is the, uh, the, the ramblings and engagement of me and my good brother, I'm Majestic. And we really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, one of the number one things you can do is share the podcast. Um, after that, though, rate, subscribe. Um, you want to go another step further, search up Justice Rod G on Asher on uh, Patreon, actually. Or search Asher Old Head and, um, you know, become a patron. It takes little, but it uh, keeps the lights on, as I say. And, uh, you know, more to come, more to come. So, you know, be safe out there. As always, take the best part for yourself. Peace.